Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody, how we doing? Welcome into it. This is the Porch. It's a VolQuest baseball podcast every single week right here at VolQuest.com. And we have a special guest every single week, former Tennessee first baseman Luke Lipsius. So that's coming up here in about 10-15 minutes. You'll get to hear Luke's thoughts on the week that was. Tennessee, of course, was a 4-1 and week. Swept Moorhead State in the final weekend non-conference series of the season. After coming up short against Boston College, we spent a lot of time talking about that Boston College game. Uh, last week, but uh, a little bit more brighter things to discuss and a lot that went down uh, here this last week of uh, Tennessee's non-conference slate heading into SEC. Tennessee will be at Missouri this weekend, 7 o'clock Eastern time on Friday, 3 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday, 2 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday, and we'll have all the coverage here at VolQuest.com. Hey, thanks so much for listening to The Porch, and we could not make this porch possible, this podcast possible, without our friends over at Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Three partners, Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey. If you got a problem, let them find a solution. TN Trial Lawyers that specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. Great at what they do, and more importantly, more importantly they're great people, and they want to help you in their communities here in East Tennessee. If you're in person, go give them a look, go give them a visit. 142 Cherokee Street in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can always call them for a free consultation at 423-245-4185. And always visit them online at Spivey King and Spivey LLP.com. Thank you so much to our friends, Spivey King and Spivey LLP for making the porch possible. Okay, so a week in review. Tennessee goes four and one. It was a 23 to four slugfest, a beatdown, uh, whatever you want to call it on Friday nights. Uh, Saturday, it was a twin billing, 6 to nothing in Game 1. I believe it was 6-3 to three in Game 2. Tennessee sweeps the Eagles of Moorhead State. And a little bit of a different lineup, right? You have the same lineup on Friday in Game 1 on Saturday. And it was Kavars Tears in right field, Dylan Dryling as the DH. But both of those guys in the lineup for Games 1 and Game 2. Uh, Kavaris Tears uh, also got a, a little bit of work in Game 3 of the series, and then Dylan Dryland came on as a pinch hitter in Game 3 after not starting. I believe Hunter Inslee got the start there in one of those outfield spots in, um, in, in Game 3, and that forced Kavaris Tears to the DH. Uh, but uh, liked what I saw. Really liked what I saw from uh, those two guys over this past week. And again, just like just like Kyle Booker, okay, it, it doesn't mean that everything's roses. It doesn't mean that everything's great, right? I mean, after the Gonzaga series, we we're like, all right, here we are. Kyle Booker swinging the bat. We know what Tennessee is capable of when Kyle Booker is swinging the bat like that, having that glove in the outfield like he does, what he can do, making this lineup deeper and better defensively. But again, baseball's a long time, and and he comes back the next day, strikes four to- strikeouts four times out of five plate appearances, and we haven't seen much of him since. So uh, it was good. Good to see what Tears and Dryling have done because they have needed more opportunities, especially Kavaris Tears. Tony Vitello even said this past week, like, hey, before we put him in there last weekend, I think he had the fewest 
you know, at bats on the team. And like, yeah, yeah, I think he had five and three of those were extra base hits, you know? And so he deserves some opportunities. Um, the, the biggest downfall for tears is his defense. And it's not like he's horrible at the, uh, as a defender, but I think a couple of times over last weekend and even on Tuesday, he doesn't read the ball off the bat the best, or he doesn't read the ball off the bat as well as the other outfielders like Christian Scott, obviously Kyle Booker, uh, Griffin Merritt, Jared Dickey even. Um, and, and that doesn't mean that he's horrible, and that doesn't mean that he can't improve. It's just he's behind in that regard of his defensive prowess. Now, he's quick. He has a strong arm. He's got a really strong arm. I think we saw in that throw from the right field corner to third base on Tuesday. Um, I do not believe he was trying to go to second base. I think he was going to third the entire time, and Ahuna faked that tag at the second base bag. Uh, but that's something to where you know that, that, that might be giving – the coaching staff and Vitell a little bit of pause and trying to say, okay, you know, Tears is going to be an everyday guy and he's going to be our right fielder. Right now, it looks like that's what it's going to be because he's made those starts, um, the three of the last four games, but he's been in the lineup each of the last four games. So, you know, maybe that's a little bit of pause. And Dylan Dryling, you know, he's only been in the outfield one time over the last, um, actually, throughout these starts here since last Friday, he is, he's DH pretty much the entire time. And so I think that. And Tony Vitello said that these outfielders, they kind of complement each other. The young guys, Tears and Dryling, they can smash the ball. The older guys, Booker and Scott, they can play defense. And so you you might see all season long kind of to where you have these young guys that start the game, get a couple ABs, and then in the latter innings, later innings rather, um, you might see Christian Scott or Kyle Booker come on as defensive replacement. Hey, that's baseball. You know, we see that all the time. Um, but I don't think we've seen the last of Kyle Booker, and I'm sure that Christian Scott will get some big pinch hit opportunities and stuff. But right now, it looks like it's Dylan Drowlin and Kavaris Tears going to be in this lineup. And I, I think that, um, you know, personally, I think that that is the way to go. I mean, that's what it appears, and that's what it's been each of the last four games. Kavaris Tears, just a smoke show, man. He had a, he had homered on Friday night, and um, already in 18 plate appearances, he has he's driven in four runs. He's slugging 889. Um, he scored six runs, and again, he's he's hitting 500 in in 18 at bats. He has nine hits. Again, easily the fewest at bats on the team outside of you know guys like Jake Kendra and Ryan Miller who really don't get opportunities all that often. Even Reese Chapman, who only has 10, but before last weekend, Tears was behind Reese Chapman. So it's been really good to see him do that. And then you know Dylan Dryling, man, hitting 345, 29 abs. He has 10 hits three home runs, six six ribbies. He homered on Friday night, kind of got lost in the shuffle, homered on Sunday, homered on Tuesday. And, I mean, that's his third home run of the week, and he's been looking really, really good. So um, I like what I've seen from this outfield. Obviously, Merritt is a mainstay. Obviously, uh, Jared Dickey is a mainstay. Now, there was kind of toying with those lineups where, you know, Jared Dickey was a DH batting fifth, and you had both Kyle Booker and uh, you know, somebody else like a Dylan Dryling uh, in that outfield for a little bit. But, you know, over the last four games of this past week, it's been it's been Dickey in the outfield, whether it be right, left, and uh, even got some uh, some innings. At, I about said snaps, you, you, football mindset, right? Even got some innings in center field as well. So I uh, really like what I saw from Kavar Sears and Dylan Dryling. I think you guys have as well, and I think Tennessee is going to need to rely on some of that offense, especially now that you are entering SEC play. So, outfield clarity, you know, Luke will say here in just a moment, actually recorded and caught up with him uh, before, I, before I, in real time, recorded this segment. Um, he's going to say, hey, w- you know, we might we might start seeing it be solidified following the second weekend of SEC play. So, again, 
nothing is set in stone, but I think you're going to see a lot of tears and, and drawing, and we're starting to get a bigger picture, a better picture, understanding of what that outfield kind of looks like. All right, next segment, or next next topic here. Man, Maui Ahuna is heating up. The overreaction was hilarious. He's already at back up to 297 uh, in 10 ball games. Four home runs all since Friday. 17 RBI. He had four RBI on um, on Tuesday. He had five RBI, I want to say, on Saturday in game one. Um, whatever the case is, man, he is... He's hitting the piss missiles out everywhere. You know, he's, he's killing it, right? And, you know, he's setting that tone at the top of the order. He's playing good defense. He's hitting the ball. I mean, you're seeing why he is a Major League Baseball draft prospect. You're seeing why he's going to be a likely a, a day one guy you know, come June, right? I mean, you're seeing all that. And so, I mean, he's a stud, and he's really starting to heat up and, you know, setting that tone for Tennessee with more behind him with Burke. Uh, with Zane Denton, with Griffin Merritt, of course, with Jared Dickey. It's just, it's really, really, really good to see. Um, I've, I think Zane Denton and, and Griffin Merritt are severely underrated on this team. Zane Denton hit for the cycle on Friday night. And again, I know it was Moorhead today, and it was during a 23-4 a to 4 blowout. So, like, it is what it is. But, you know, Zane Denton, switch hitter, hitting fourth, and is an RBI machine for your club. No one's talking about him, right? And then Griffin Merritt, man, kind of con- concluding this transfer weekend, if you will, that I wrote about and the 3-2-1. Griffin Merritt, three home runs on Saturday. One home run in game one, two or two in game two, or maybe I've got that backwards, whatever the case is. Um, two of those were three-run shots. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, he's, he's a stud, right? I mean, he's a veteran. He's an older guy. He's had tons of plate appearances throughout his career. Um, he's not a spring chicken, and so that's why he's so much further along when you look at some of these new guys like a Caveras Tears or – um, or a Dylan Dryland. Like he's been there, does that, know the corner outfields, and, and knows how to hit in the heart of an order. And so he's been looking really, really good, man. Griffin Merritt, he had a fantastic weekend for sure. So um, all that looks really good. And uh, Tennessee's kind of rolling right now once you enter, you know, SEC play. Arms are looking good. Uh, Drew Beam, sure, he gave up some runs on Sunday, but he had nine strikeouts to one walk. Um, you know, he's pitching to contact, he's always done that. Uh, the command was good. You know, I'm, I'm not worried about Drew Beam whatsoever because, again, the command was fantastic. Nine strikeouts to one walk. And Chase Burns, double-digit strike, or career-high strikeouts on Saturday. And Chase Dolander, another multi or another double-digit strikeout game. Starting pitching's good. Then you got Cannon Sewell back in the mix on Saturday. Closed out game one, getting those last two outs. That looked really, really good. How long can he go? Is he going to be a bridge guy? Is he going to be, you know, right now at least, is he just going to be an outer two type guy? Can he go multiple innings? We'll see. Um, but I don't think he can go and pitch five innings in the SEC championship game right now. But maybe by May he can. Good to see Cannon Sewell back in there to add to the arsenal of Andrew Lindsay, of Zach Joyce, of Kirby Connell, Bryce Jenkins, Seth Halverson. Um, man, this bullpen is deep. And then finally, we'll look at Missouri before we get into a conversation with Luke. We'll talk a lot about this with Luke, don't get me wrong, but Missouri's 12-3 and right now. Um, currently, they, they won their midweek uh, over, let's see here. Actually, they didn't play midweek this week. Yeah, they didn't. No, no, they did. Lamar. Hasn't happened yet at the time of this recording. That's why. <laughs> that's why there's not a there's not, there's not a win loss tally in that thing because at the time of this recording that game hasn't happened. Anyway, anyway, uh, coming off, I mean, they, they, they're they won a ton, right? They've won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They've won ten of their last eleven ball games, and this is after starting pretty rough. Okay, um, 
not starting rough actually, but you know, picking up a couple losses at the beginning of the season because they actually had a really good showing at the college baseball showdown. Wrote about it a little bit in the three two one. Fell to Oklahoma State on opening day five to three, but took down Texas six to five, took down TCU nine to eight, and you'll leave the college baseball showdown with wins over two Texas schools. That, that that's pretty impressive, right? Came back and lost uh, lost a Thursday outing game one of a series to FIU, uh, but then you know went on to to win all those, and then they've been they've been pretty much winning. Uh, ad nauseum since they dropped one game to NJIT uh, back on last Friday, two to one. But this is a Missouri team that's playing with a whole lot of confidence right now, playing well at home, seven and one, 12 and three overall record. And they've got some guys to rely on them, you know, names that we've heard of before, like Luke Mann, uh, five home runs, 12 RBIs, hitting well over 300, almost 400 at three, 379 and 58 at bat. So he's swinging the ball, the bat really, really well. Trevor Austin. Driven in 14 runs on the season, hitting 373. You've got uh, Hank Niesler, five home runs, 18 ribbies, leading the team, 43 ABs, hitting 279. So he's looking good. Um, you got some other guys who are getting on base, stealing bases. Ty uh, Wilsmeyer has stolen nine of 11 bases so far this season. He is the stealing threat when he gets on the base pass. Don't sleep on uh, Justin Colon either. Uh, he's stolen four out of five as well, uh, you know, when given the opportunity. So Tennessee's catching situation, we'll have to watch out for that. And then you look at the, the pitching for Missouri. You know, they're kind of headlined by a pair of starters and, and Chandler Murphy, who uh, has started four games. He's two and one as a 348 ERA, looking pretty good. And uh, Rorick Maldred, who started three games as a 307 ERA in 14.2 innings uh, pitched on the season. He's looked pretty Pretty firm there. Uh, Sam Horn did make his collegiate debut on the mound. I think it was last weekend, or maybe it was two weekends ago. Anyway, he's tossed four innings and a third. Uh, he picked up the win, actually, in one of those games. That's a former Tennessee quarterback target, Sam Horn, for those football fans are are going to remember what I'm looking at right there. But you look at the starters ERA, it's not bad, but that bullpen ERA is pretty solid. I mean, you've got straight zeros in terms of ERA from Sam Horn, Nick Smith, Jacob Hasty. Uh, Ty Wiltsmeyer, who's kind of a two-way player a little bit. Um, those guys are coming out of the pen. You have a guy that's pitched over seven innings on the season out of the pen. Logan Lunsford has a 2.45 ERA. That's something to look out for. Uh, you have a guy that's done 15 innings and two-thirds. And Tony Newbick, who's actually got a start on the season as well, but um, he's got a 3.45 ERA. Austin Troster. Has a 3.55 ERA and he's thrown two innings or 12 innings and two thirds. Uh, so you've got some guys in the bullpen that have been used a lot that you know really haven't given up an an awful lot of runs. So you know that's good to see. So it's SEC time. There's going to be losses on the schedule from here on out. Not a lot, but I'm just saying you might drop a game every other weekend or so, or you know you might lose a series. You know that's that's Southeastern Conference baseball. This is the best of the best. So. Um, it's finally here. I like Tennessee in this weekend series against Missouri. I think Tennessee can win at least two or three. I do, but I'm intrigued to see how the Vols handle the road environment. First time being on the road since uh, the, the Arizona trip, so that's going to be exciting to see as well. All right, when we come back, we are going to check in with Luke Lipsius, former Tennessee first baseman. You have that to look forward to right here on the porch a VolQuest.com podcast. But we could not make the porch possible without our friends. Spivey King and Spivey LLP. The partners, Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey. You got a problem, let them find a solution. TN Trial Lawyers, specializing in criminal defense, family law, and personal injuries. Examples of such... 
DUI, homicide assault, sexual offenses in state or federal courts, divorce, custody, alimony, parental rights, or personal injuries such as car wrecks or accidents. Over 80 years of combined experience, Spivey King and Spivey LLP provides representation throughout the state and federal courts in Northeast Tennessee. The firm has a vast amount of trial experience. Practice has been in place for 43 years with this partnership since 2012, while also having partners who are energized for today's modern legal demands. Practicing primarily in Northeast Tennessee, the Tri-Cities of Sullivan County, as well as Hawkins County, Washington County, and surrounding areas, the firm has multiple has won multiple awards um, from attorneys rated by super lawyers in the Mid-South with real trial experience. Whether you're injured in a car accident, you need a divorce, help with custody of your children, or have been accused of a crime, they are here to help. That is Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Stop by and see them in person at 142 Cherokee Street in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can always give them a call for a free consultation at 423-245-4185. That is 423-245-4815 for a free consultation. Or visit them online at SpiveyKingAndSpiveyLLP.com. Could not do this without our friends, Spivey King and Spivey LLP. And also, guys, we're talking baseball here today, but... NCAA tournament's going on right now. March Madness has officially begun. It is time for you to shoot your shot and score big with nonstop action with MyBookie. Whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting on eventual national championship winner, or simply looking for player or game props, MyBookie has got you covered. Getting started with MyBookie is very simple. Visit the website online, make your first deposit by using the promo code VOLQUEST to claim an exclusive deposit bonus. Again, that is promo code VOLQUEST, V-O-L-Q-U-E-S-T, VOLQUEST, to claim some extra money on top of your initial deposit. With hundreds of thousands in prizes for March Madness and weekly blackjack tournaments, you can turn your game day into a payday at MyBookie with the promo code VOLQUEST. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Luke, SEC play is finally here now. But before we kind of dive into the highlights of the week and and what we're going to be looking for in Missouri, uh, Tennessee to this point, 15-3. and Um, I know it's kind of different as a player. You need this non-conference slate to kind of get your feet under you, to find your timing. Uh, If your arms are stretched things out, get you kind of where you want to be. But from a media member covering the team, from a fan watching this team, it's like, all right, let's – Let's just get a move on. Let's get to the real season now. Is that kind of how you guys feel as players? Uh, you know, where do you, where do you think uh, this kind of this team is right now as we enter SEC play? Yeah, you know, uh, you have a spring training with the team before you actually start the season, 
And then you have this whole non-conference schedule, which can be thought of as maybe another spring training. Um, you're really just getting everything ready. You're fine tuning. And then you realize that the gauntlet is coming up. Uh, but yeah, and it's, it's cool to, to, for it to finally be here. You know, it's really hard to judge how good a team's going to be with this non-conference schedule just because, you know, we're, we're not going to sugarcoat it. The competition is just not what the SEC is. And so it's so exciting that SEC is here. They're going to Columbia, which is one of my least favorite places to play. It's always 40 and almost snowing there, even in May. So I can't even imagine what March is going to be like. But it for sure will be a really good test for them, and I'm excited. Give me your favorite Como memory playing up there. I know there's not many that you just kind of alluded to, but what's what's something that stands out outside of the weather from when you're when your time playing in Columbia? Uh, man, I mean, you know, honestly, I feel like it's been more bad than good. So my sophomore year, yeah, my sophomore year, um, they knocked us out of a SEC tournament chance. Um, we actually made history with being the first SEC team with like 10 or 12 wins, whatever it was, to not make the tournament. So, you know, I mean, we did make history there, <laughs> just not in a good <laughs> way. Um, but yeah, and so then, I mean, we swept them my uh, true senior year. Um, you know, nothing really stands out. I've, I've hit a homer or two there. Um, you know, that was the first time I saw Seth uh, Halverson, yep. which, I mean, from the moment we saw him, we knew he was going to be a dog. Um, so that was cool. Other than that, cold rainy windy um not a good place to play i've been to columbia missouri one time it was a cover of football game two years ago and i want to say it was in the middle of october or whatever and uh it was it was sleeting it was cold it was muggy there was i i mean I, i'm sure they put down like you know 40 50 000. i mean there was probably twenty thousand people in that stadium mm -hmm. It was abysmal. I'm so thankful that was just a, a very short time for me to be there. But everybody I've talked to that's covered the team or who's played there or whatever just continuously says, cold, gross, don't want to be there. <laughs> yep, so, no, that's that's on par. It's, uh, it's one of those places you don't look forward to on your schedule. Yeah, it's, it's going to be freezing this weekend as well. So that, that's that's not going to be fun for the guys. How, how do you affect those cold weathers? You know, I've, um, I've been asked uh, throughout the week, kind of how is, is Tennessee going to prepare to play in the cold and all that. But my answer was kind of like, you know, you guys practice this offseason in East Tennessee. I mean, it'll feel like the beach weather one day. It'll feel like a blizzard the next day. Sure, it's not consistently cold, but you guys do practice here in East Tennessee and kind of brace yourself for those elements. But anything else you guys maybe do when you know it's going to be a colder weekend? Um, Yeah, like you said, Tennessee gets this bad weather, you know. So we, we will practice in anything that's – I think it's like 35 or warmer. So we get used to the cold, the cold rain, the cold this, the cold that. So those guys, you know, it's more of a mentality thing. Um, what V's main thing, what he would say to us, it's especially if let's say you weren't a starter, um, and this can apply to starters, is if if you look cold, you're not ready to play. So you're not going to go in the game. Um, and so it's one of those things, you know, it's going to be cold. You kind of just have to tell yourself, like, it's going to be cold um effort we're going to go out and we're going to do our thing um so but what's good is that they are used to this cold weather they practice in it all throughout spring training in, in january they practice in it towards the end of the fall and so they should be fairly well acclimated to it now for it being as cold as it's going to be and the first sec game we'll see what happens um i think the boys will be riding a pretty good high over this past weekend and the game on tuesday to uh, combat all that cold weather stuff and, and really just play like they do. 
as a player, there's there's benefits for the non-conference slate. Uh, that, that's that's understandable. But is there a switch that's you just you just flip when it's SEC play? I mean, not not like oh, I haven't been playing hard now. I'm gonna start you know playing hard with SEC. Not not like that. But like, is there like a mental switch where you're like, okay, it's go time. Let, let's let, let's get ready to get out there. You know, um, the way I've always uh, pictured it, felt it, experienced it is. Every single game you go into, uh, you start out hyper-focused. You know, those first few innings, you're hyper-focused. You know what you're doing, doing whatever. And again, in the non-conference slate, what tends to happen is that focus dwindles a little bit. You know, as you get these big leads, as you realize, like, hey, we're probably going to win this game. We're better than this team. Focus dwindles. During SEC play, you lose focus for one one millisecond, and they're going to get you. And so it's it's this hyper focus for the entirety of the game, as opposed to let's say not so much losing focus, but um, kind of like calming down, relaxing. And so that's one thing that differentiates that SEC play from the non conference slate is this feeling of you know the lead's never big enough. We can never like be too far ahead, be playing too good because it it can really change in a second. And that's what makes this league so exciting. Um, and, and that's the main difference between that SEC play and the non-conference play. Is that maybe what happened at Kentucky last year? I mean, I'm not trying to bring up bad memories, but maybe just a, a slight losing of focus and then you, you lose two or three? You know, you you hate to not look ahead, but that team, I would say, probably was looking past Kentucky. Uh, thank goodness we got it together at Mississippi State. But yeah, that weekend was just weird. You know, it was rain delays, cold in May, um, all this stuff. Um, and, and we really just didn't have it that weekend. But I think coming out um, first SEC series, the boys will be good. V will have them locked in and, and, and loaded for this weekend. All right, let's look at some of those guys in the lineup. Uh, since we last spoke, feels like these two guys have been regulars in the lineup in right field and a DH or, or some, some way like that. Kavar's Tears... And Dylan Dryling, Kavar's Tears, of course, is a veteran, been here for a year. Uh, Dylan Dryling, a true freshman. What have you liked from those guys in the lineup um, all three days against uh, Moorhead States? And then, of course, Tuesday, earlier this week, both those guys in the lineup as well and performing. So, yeah, so one thing I do want to note is, you know, it seemed like Kyle Booker was going to be in there mainstay, and then he has this horrible day on Tuesday. Now, we know that horrible days happen, but what I'm thinking is that maybe he was moping about it, whatever. So to all the young people listening, whatever, never be moping about a bad game because, you know, college coaches will sense that, take you right out, and then someone's going to take your place like we see KT did. You know, he is such a great guy. I think everyone knew he was going to get in in some capacity this year, whether it be DHing, a little bit of outfield. Um, but to see him come in and immediately produce – um, you know, I think he had, what was it, like six or seven hits this weekend. He had a one or two last night. Um, he's just been doing so good, tearing it up. He has one of the stronger arms on the team, too. Um, so he'll be locking down that right field spot. And now Dryling coming in, hit three bombs already, I think, in however many games played. Amazing. It just goes to show how once you get on campus and you've gone through that first fall, you're not considered a freshman anymore. You know, all of these guys are taken to be veterans and been put through the ringer uh, so they can come in and play during season and produce. Kind of a question on that too. You know, we, we asked Tony after the Tuesday game this week, um, do you have any more clarity in the outfield? Because there's been a bunch of different guys out there, been trying some different things. Of course, the latest with Quiveris tears and in, in right field, 
Um, and he said, yeah, we have a little bit more clarity, but you know what these young guys lack, the veterans do well. So they like the four guys, meaning Kyle Booker, Christian Scott, Dylan Drowling, T- and Kavars Tears. Like the younger guys are smashing the ball. The older guys can play good D. And in baseball, a lot of times you will have late inning replacements. We've already seen Christian Scott come on and play a ton of the outfield. He did so last year. Um, kind of having said all that, like, do you do you think? I mean, baseball is a long season, but do you think like Tennessee may ride with this young younger duo for right now? And if if they don't produce, then maybe you throw Booker back in there because after the Gonzaga series, man, it looked like like Booker everything was finally clicking, mm-hmm. and I still do believe Tennessee is at its best with Booker consistently hitting enough to stay in the lineup, but you, you can't play a guy if he's not doing that. Yeah, so it, it all depends. Like I said, the SEC is its own animal. So um, it's hard to draw any conclusions going into the first weekend, but I think uh, maybe not after this weekend, but after the second one, we'll start to see a settle in of the outfield, you know, because um, it is a long uh, conference schedule. It's a long rest of the season, but usually how you start is going to be how it goes, you know, and that after that second series, you can tell which guys are really up for the challenge and which guys kind of back down. And so I think that um, most likely more than likely they'll, they'll keep riding with at least KT in there um, just with how he's been producing and he's, he does play a good D um, but I think we will see some Booker in there and I would love to see C Scott in there. He's been grinding for so long. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. And again, if those two guys are coming off your bench, uh, coming off your bench to, play outfield in the seventh, eighth, ninth innings, or you know, a guy like Kyle Booker coming to the plate as a pinch hitter late in the game. I mean, that's, that's a good that's a good position to be in for sure. Um man, Maui Ahuna, man, he is he is heating up. And and again, it's just uh the overreaction. You see it in all sports at every single fan base. It's not just here at Tennessee, but there was some overreaction a little bit, small minority. Oh, he's a bust. You know, what are you talking about? This guy sucks. And it's like, chill, man. It's five games in. Five mm-hmm. games in. Boy, is he heating up right now. Already tied for third on the team with 17 runs driven in, only 37 at-bats. He's got four home runs, homer again on Tuesday, drove in four on Tuesday, uh, had a, you know had three home runs over the last weekend. Boy, he's looking good at the top of that lineup, man. And that's a guy that can hit second, six, four. I mean, you can put him anywhere. Yeah, 100%. He's getting hot at the right time. You know, you want to get hot basically two times. It's right before SEC and then right before the playoffs. If you can maintain everywhere else but those two times, you'll be fine. Um, And so he's doing exactly that. What's crazy to me is he's been in the leadoff spot now. I think it's been for the last five or six games, however long it is. But his production has not dwindled at all. Um, And that's uh, a testament to not only the bottom of our lineup, but then his ability to drive the runs in when people get on. Um, I've always said the every single baseball stat is a roundabout way of seeing how many runs you drive in, how many runs you score, right? Those are the most two most important stats to look at, and he's doing exactly that. He's driving them in. He's scoring them. He's doing great defense, all good. I think this is the Maui that everyone expected to see, um, and I'm really excited for his first taste of the SEC. You know, right now, it feels like that, that one through six is really clicking. Um, you know, Maui, you got Christian Moore, who <laughs> nobody's talking about, who's having a great season. Blake Burke doing Blake Burke things. You've got Zane Denton, who hit for the cycle on Friday night. And then Griffin Merritt. Um, you know, those those five guys. And then Jared Dickey as well. Mm-hmm. You know, those six guys are really, really clicking. And I feel like that was kind of the vision. Is, is you can kind of map it out during the offseason season. 
these six guys is kind of going to be the the top two thirds of our lineup, and then let's just figure out that bottom third. But those six guys, I mean, how as an if you were an opposing player going against them, or maybe an opposing pitcher trying to throw to them, how difficult is those six guys here to begin this lineup? Oh, it's so tough. Just looking at what you got to face, not only the talent, but then righty, lefty, righty, lefty, all yeah. that other stuff. Um, you know, if I was a pitcher, I wouldn't be able to take a breath. I would feel just I got to get this guy like no relaxing until maybe that that latter third. Um, even though we, we still got some good guys down in uh, the seven, eight, nine hole, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like like you said, they are looking to be as close to firing on all center cylinders as possible, you know, um, which is really awesome to see going to SEC. Of course, the hope is that they'll keep on getting better. Um, but like you said, that core six guys is who everyone expected um, to be doing what they are doing. And to see Griffin hitting the ball out of the yard, especially Dickie doing his thing. Burke, of course, is going to be Burke. Um, and then, yeah, who would have thought SEMA would be flying under the radar? Um, I think it's a, a good thing when a potential first rounder is flying under your radar, being outshadowed by the rest of your other six guys. But, of course, those six guys, they they bring fear to the the other pitchers. And, and it's going to be one of those things where – if they don't go, we might see some struggle from Tennessee, but I think that it's going to be nearly impossible for all of them to not go in one singular game. Yeah, and, and again, most baseball teams are not loaded one through nine in the order. I mean, again, mm-hmm. you, correct me if I'm wrong, I know you moved around a little bit, but you were primarily like a like a seven hitter in this lineup, correct? Yeah, it was uh, anywhere six, and then just last year was when I got pulled up to that two spot. Yeah, yeah. Again, you moved around a little bit, but you get Russell was hitting in the bottom third of the. I mean, it's like that's just that's not normal. And so, mm-hmm. um, there's still some firepower at the bottom of this order for Tennessee as well. But that front six is just, I, I feel like underrated. You know, we t- we talk about Semo a little bit, but you know, everybody's going to talk about the outfield right now because they want to they want it to be solidified. So a lot of tears, Dryling, Booker talk, mm-hmm. a lot of Maui talk, Blake Burke. You got to talk about him right now. Jared Dickey a little bit. Where is he going to play? And now where is he batting? Like those guys have been mentioned a ton, but two new guys who have come in and just raked. And I feel like nobody's talking about him. Zane Denton and Griffin Merritt. You spoke on Merritt just a moment ago, but how underappreciated are those guys right now? I feel like they're just super underrated, but all they're doing is hitting well over 300 and, you know, amongst the team leaders and home runs and ribbies. Yeah, I think, you know, Merritt gets a little bit more, um, praise than Denton. Denton is the epitome of um, underrated. He is that that silent hitter. What's crazy? He's he's in four hole and not getting talked about. <clears throat> he's driving in all these runs. He hit for the cycle, which is nearly impossible to do. So it's awesome for him. From what I heard, he's a great guy. So you just love to see him do well. But yeah, the fact that he's flying under the radar probably because he's not hitting four hundred fifty foot homers. He's just getting it done is awesome to see. And he was one of the guys that I did have my eye on in the beginning of the season because even if he wasn't um, hitting the homers, if he wasn't hitting 500, whatever it was, every time there was an RBI chance, it seemed like he um, got the run in. And if you got a guy like that at your four hole who is going to give you one at least RBIs, um, then you're going to be in such a good position. He's got so much uh, experience. He's a veteran. And so I think he's going to be this solidifying force to maybe even jump jumpstart this offense when they need it. Lead the team in sacrifice flies as well. I feel like that's how mm-hmm. he was driving to those runs in Arizona exactly. in the first week or two of the season. 
Um, love that switch hit too, man. That's something mm-hmm. like growing up, man, when I was younger, like you saw more switch hitters and like now I feel like it's almost a lost art. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's not many switch hitters in major league baseball right now. Like it's, it's a, it's a little nuts and to see one producing like he is at this level, man, that's just, if you're a baseball fan, that's just, that's awesome. Uh, I want to ask you before we close on Missouri, I do want to ask about this bullpen. I mean, you know, Chase Burns, Chase Dolander, Drew Beam, they're, they're doing their own thing right now. They're, they're, they're killing it. But this bullpen, um, you know, in, in non-conference, it was just about, hey, we got to get this guy innings. This guy's going to work on Friday. This guy's going to work on Saturday. We're going to throw Kirby here to get us out of a jam, yada, yada. Um, now that you're kind of in SEC play, I feel like there's going to be, all right, you know, if we need to come out in the in the seventh inning and get to the eighth, here's Kirby. You know, fr- from from eighth, let's go, let's go Halverson. Or, you know, if we got to take the starter out in the fifth, let's go Halby for three innings, you know, whatever the case is. There's going to be specific plans um this bullpen's deep it's an embarrassment of riches there are guys that deserve to pitch more that just aren't because there's so many but Sewell now healthy getting back in there and getting two strikeouts and of course you got Andrew Lindsay AJ Russell's look really good but he's a guy that might miss out on some innings Zach Joyce Kirby Connell uh, Bryce Jenkins Seth Halverson Jacob Bimby um all those guys kind of what do you like about this bullpen heading into conference play and as good as Tennessee starters are Tennessee's going to have to rely on that bullpen all season long. That's just baseball. Yeah, well, so the the good thing is that if they keep on pitching like they do, the starters, that is, they'll be able to go deeper into games than uh, most starting rotations would be able to. So that means instead of eating up four or five innings, you're eating up two, three, hopefully. Yeah. And so what's great about uh, what A and V and them have done with the bullpen is they've all got – or sorry, not all, uh, the, the meat of them have long inning, inning experience. And what I mean by that is they're all able to go three innings if they need to. Yeah. Um, I know most plans will be, let's say Dolly were to go six or seven, uh, throw in Halvey um, for the, the rest of the game. Or what I love is a Dolly six, a Kirby one, uh, maybe one and a half, two, and then Halvey close the rest of the game. And then the next game you got um, – a Burns, Sewell, Lindsay deal. And then Sunday, you kind of piece it all together, how they could come back, whatever. I think that's what you'll see the plan is, is um, keep the hitters off balance with hard righty, softer lefty, um, and then one of these two dogs at closer, either Halvey or Lindsay. And then you can mix in a Russell, uh, like you said, a Bimby, all these other guys that can eat up innings. Um, but I think the plan going forward will be uh, to try to let these the Halversons, Lindsays go for two innings to close the game as opposed to lead up in a long relief and then a single inning closer. All right, I want to get your thoughts on Missouri here to close things out. It's a team that is 12-3 and three right now, 7-1 um, and one at home. It's a little bit better than I think anybody thought uh, at this point in the season. And um, they, they've got guys in, in the lineup that I know names that you recognize, like Luke Mann, five home mm-hmm. runs, 12 ribbies. Uh, Trevor Austin, 14 RBI so far. Uh, Hank Ziesler, five home runs, 18 RBI, leading the team there. What do you know about Missouri? What do you remember about some of these guys that Tennessee's going to square off again this weekend? <clears throat> yeah, so they were uh, they didn't have the best season last year. They're kind of average, middle tier, um, but they were really gritty. And so when you have a team like that, that's just going to try to grind out ABs, grind out a win. Um, they're harder to beat than a team, let's say, that's full of talent that doesn't want to play. Um, and so their, their offense, pretty good pitching staff gives up a little more runs than they would probably like to. 
Uh, but again, going into that environment on their turf, first weekend coming out, um, it's just going to be a, a who wants it more. You know, no one really knows what they're going to have yet. Um, of course, we have more talent on paper, but they're going to grind it out. Hopefully our guys will, <clears throat> will grind right back. And I think we're going to have a really good game, uh, a really good series this weekend. All right, Luke, something I'm going to do now that we're in SEC play, the way we're going to close out our chat every week, I want you to give me a prediction. Uh, it can be Tennessee two, two games to one, Tennessee sweep, you know, whatever. What's your prediction for this weekend? Oh, man, you know, last time I made a prediction, it uh, went very poorly. So I'm, I'm tempted <laughs> to say we're going to go 0-3. But no, <laughs> we're uh, – Whatever you I, need, man. <laughs> I think, you know, opening it up at Missouri, I think we're going to go 2-1. and one. And I say that because I think we're going to mix in a game there that we do look a little bit young um, now that the competition is, is fierce. But I do think that we'll, we'll take it away the other two games. And, you know, like what the coaching staff always preached to us, a three game or three win week is all you need um, in order to have a lot of success in the season. So I think we're looking at at a two and one series. You know, if we get more, that's great. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm saying two and one. And remember, everybody, we're in Southeastern Conference play now, so there will be a loss. You know, here and there, and it's it's not yep. football. You know, <laughs> don't that, that, freak out. It's it, baseball. <laughs> it's baseball. Like it, it's going to happen. But you said it right there. I know you've heard it from that guy, Tony Vitello, said it on Tuesday night. We're after. Two wins a weekend, essentially, is what mm -hmm. he said. We want to win the series. You stack winning series upon winning series upon winning series. You got a good ball club. So we'll see if Tennessee can do that this weekend. Luke, as always, man, appreciate it. Great stuff. And uh, let's catch up next week about uh, hopefully Tennessee having a winning series in Como, bracing the elements and taking down those Tigers. Yep, it was fun. Can't wait for uh, next week and this weekend. All right, that is former Tennessee first baseman Luke Lipsius, always right here every single Thursday on the porch the porch is brought to you by spivey king and spivey llp matthew a spivey j matt king and richard a spivey you got a problem let them find a solution tn trial lawyers specializing in criminal defense family law and personal injury they are fantastic at what they do they're good at what they do and they're good people and they want to help you go see them in person at 142 cherokee street kingsport tennessee give them a call at 423-245-4185 for a free consultation or you can always visit them on their website at spiveykingandspiveyllp.com. Tennessee at Missouri this weekend to begin SEC play. The Volunteers are 15-3. and three. Missouri is 14-2. and two. I have 12-3. There we go. It's on my bottom ticker. Missouri is 12-3. Friday night, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Saturday night, 3 o'clock Eastern time. And Sunday, 2 o'clock Eastern time. And these games will be telecasted on the S or streamed on the SEC Network Plus. I would like to be there. We're not going to Como, but I will be covering it here from the house. I'll have your four quick takes, how it happened, all that stuff with you. I'll be there on the general's quarters for the game thread all weekend long. Let's see what Tennessee looks like as we open up SEC play. Guys, as always, thank you so much. Please subscribe to the VolQuest YouTube channel if you haven't already. And uh, stay tuned for another edition of The Porch that is coming up next week. Big thanks to Luke Lipsius, and thank you as always. This has been The Porch, a VolQuest baseball podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.